Hey, kids, have you thought about a career in supply chain management? Hello? Anyone listening? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. to just about anybody who's been in this business for a few years, and they'll tell you that they didn't plan it that way. No kid wants to be in supply chain when he or she grows up. But maybe that's beginning to change. New efforts by educators and industry leaders are spreading the word about opportunities in supply chain in college, high school, and even K-12. through There's no question that the nature of supply chain education is changing dramatically. Today we'll find out how dramatically in my conversation with P.J. Shelton. She is Deputy Sector Navigator for Global Trade and Logistics and Director of the Centers for International Trade Development, which are affiliated with 10 community colleges across California. They work with business leaders and academics to ensure that supply chain and logistics programs are meeting the needs of the private sector and providing students with exciting career choices in supply chain. PJ will tell us how supply chain education becomes transformed, what it will look like in the coming decade, and what must be done to fill the looming gap in organizations whose workforces are aging out and are in dire need of fresh talent. And we'll find out what a cheerleader has in common with a ship's captain. So here is my conversation with P.J. Shelton. P.J. Shelton, welcome to the show. Thank you so very much, Bob. I'm so happy to be here. Where are we today in terms of supply chain, logistics, distribution, transportation, education? How would you generally describe the state of that area? That's a very great question because uh, the future predictions have totally defined where we will take supply chain and education in the next five to 10 years. Five years from now, the question is, what will education look like? How will it affect the jobs of educators? What role will technology play in the classroom? And there has been a great emphasis on entrepreneurship, less focus on textbooks, greater partnerships between industry and community colleges. So we're seeing that right now. I mean, you're saying five to 10 years from now, but we're already starting to see that transition even today. We are starting that transition right now as we speak. As a matter of fact, the transition actually started about three years ago. Now, you are affiliated with the College of Alameda, right? I'm hosted at the College of Alameda, but I really work with five to ten community colleges and about 15 K-12. through I see. Okay. Oh, I want to talk about the K-12 through in a little while. That's interesting. Uh, But let's talk college first. Uh, There are obviously a number of excellent programs among community colleges in this area. And then, of course, as you know, there are also supply chain programs in in some of the major universities around the country. How would you describe the difference between the education uh, in supply chain happening at the community college level versus at the university level? The community college classes and certifications and programs 
provide a structure and a platform for two years for that student to then, should they decide to go for their four-year supply chain degree, they have the structure and the platform already developed. It doesn't provide them with the applications so much so as the universities will do when they move forward. How important is it to have a degree today in order to get a job in supply chain logistics or transportation? And if so, what should that degree be optimally? That's one of the the problems and questions that we've been dealing with for the last two and a half years, Bob, because we're, we're understanding from industry that a degree is not necessarily essential. I am developing career pathways for community colleges as well as K-12. And what I discovered was that industry is asking more for trained employees, future employees, and that means certifications. If they're certified in a particular area, then that industry or that company will then hire that employee, bring them into their particular company, and then provide them with more training or or better training, if you will, to move them forward within the company. But we're not finding that a four-year degree is absolutely necessary right now. You say certification. Do you mean by that a two-year associate's degree at a community college? Does that qualify as certification? Or, on the other hand, there are a number of, as you know, industry groups, private organizations offering certifications in various aspects of supply chain. Are those equally valid, or how do those differ? No, you're absolutely right. Our industry generally does a pretty good job of educating the executives training on leadership, establishing mentoring for aspiring practitioners and certification of skills for those already on their way through organizations like CSCMP, WORK, WERC, the Warehousing Education Research Council, APICS. But for the entry-level positions and those much earlier on the curve, it's only been in recent years here in the Bay Area that strong programs created within the community colleges, such as the College of Alameda's Atlas Program and Contra Costa College's Flow Program, have focused on developing the entry-level skill set needed on the front lines. And this is done by partnering with uh, the WIBs, the Workforce Investment Boards, and a lot of the community-based organizations to design and deliver those career pathways training. Supply chain, as you know, is such an all-embracing term. So much goes into that term in terms of education and in the professional world. When we're talking about this, I mean, to what extent is this is this actually education in logistics, specifically distribution, procurement, and sourcing? Some of something else. Is it all of the above these days? <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to understand, like especially at the community college level, where's the emphasis? The paradigm shift happened when industry came to the table with academia, that that was something that never happened in the past. Community colleges and four-year universities would just cross the board, create curriculum for what they felt would then prepare that student to move forward in a pathway or career option. However, that didn't work because most students would get a two-year or four-year degree, move forward, try to find employment, and they were turned down time and time again and told by that particular employee, employer that they weren't trained in the specific position that they were applying for. So therefore, industry came to the table and said, okay, we need to partner, we need to collaborate, we need to talk about and share with you educators what it is we really are looking for 
in terms of future employees because our pipeline is, is not existent right now. And that was a major paradigm shift, Bob. It was absolutely fabulous that that took place because now the dialogue and the communication has taken place and the training that's being provided is applicable for today's industry and employer. When did we start to see that change? Actually, we started to see that change way before I came into the picture with this particular job that I hold right now. It happened about five years ago, and I've been doing in this position as a deputy sector navigator for two and a half years. The, the, the communication started on the community college level, and then it was raised to the four-year university level. Community colleges, just as the name dictates, are part of a community, and they discovered that they weren't providing their students with the type of training that they needed in order to to find opportunities and to develop their careers. So today you think there's better alignment. In other words, the private sector is coming to you and saying the students you're giving us now are better prepared for these jobs than they used to be. Yes, the dialogue continues. Uh, My executive advisory board is comprised of industry leaders as well as educators across the board. And the dialogue continues, and we need that type of dialogue. How important that this be combined with internships? Is that an important element of these programs as well? Yes. As a matter of fact, one of my advisory board industry leaders, the RK Group, actually partnered with Livermore High School, one of the high schools in my region. And because they opened, I think, a 50,000-square-foot warehouse in the Livermore Alameda area. It made all the sense in the world to go to that high school and share with them. These are the types of employees, future employees we're looking for. These are the types of jobs we have to offer your seniors right now who will be graduating and perhaps have no desire to go full board for your university, but need a skill set to find a, a career choice. And they've provided that pathway, and I've been working with them and developing it fully. Now, RK Group does bring them into the warehouse as interns, paid interns, and it is opening their eyes to the possibilities of a career within supply chain, not just warehousing, which is one aspect of it, but the complete supply chain. Now they understand. One thing that I discovered, Bob, really, is that this sector was not considered sexy at all, not at all. And what I mean by that is they didn't understand it. They needed students and educators in K-12. They didn't get it. They understood healthcare. They understood IT. They understood advanced manufacturing and biosciences. But when I walked into the room and talked about supply chain, there was a big question mark above everybody's head, like, what is she talking about? They don't even that know what the word means. The term, correct. What the term means. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I wonder also, I mean, let's say this big new warehouse is opening up in that area, and they look at it and they say, what are you, what are you offering us here? You're offering us a job in a warehouse. We're going to spend the rest of our lives moving boxes. I mean, you have to get across to them the message that that's not where it stops, right? Do they no. understand that? Yes, they do. But let me just share with you a question that one of my, again, one of my advisory board members asked me. And she said, PJ, what do you think the value of a blue-collar job is in today's market? That's a very good question. And honestly, I didn't have an answer for her at the time because I didn't realize 
that what she was really saying to me, Bob, was that her workforce has totally aged out. And she had no future prospects in their pipeline to work in within that particular industry, which is cold cold storage warehousing. Yeah, we're hearing that a lot. We're hearing that a lot. Yes. It doesn't seem like on its face. I mean, some of these some of these particular candidates they have many other options now. It seems. I mean, with the economy being better than it was a few years ago, that might not be tops on their list of things they want to do even in the first few years. Like I say, you know, driving forklifts, moving boxes. It doesn't seem like on its face like a particularly fascinating job opportunity. No, you're absolutely right. And, and a colleague uh, of mine, and she and I sat down and had this same very conversation. And what we discovered, again, in order to open the eyes of, of, of future students to look at this as passionate as she and I had looked at it, because this is our career, we created a little cartoon, if you will, that I have on my website called What the Heck is Global Trade and Logistics? <laughs> and, it, and it shares through an animated process of drawings that you can have an idea in your garage, just as HP did, just as Steve Jobs did. You can have an idea on, and put it on your computer, and then you can begin to globalize that idea by sharing it with millions of people throughout the world. But you still need, you still need the planes, trucks, the ships all of the, the railroad in order to get that product from A to Z. Now, moving forward on that concept, what uh, my colleague did was develop a software program called My Scary World. Now, My Scary World is developed for middle school students. This is how, this is where we start the process. We realized that getting into the high school was maybe perhaps a little late in the game. We need to start as early as middle school to get these students excited about this opportunity. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You said My Scary World is what yes, it's called? That's what it's called. It's called My Scary World. What, and, in what way is it shown to be scary? I, I don't get that. Well, it's, it's, again, a middle school student looking at the world through the eyes of that, the lens of a middle school student looking at what their parents are saying. Look at, you've got to decide what you want to be when you grow up. I know my mom said that. What do you want to be when you grow up? And they don't have a clue as to what we're talking about. Mm. So the concept of this world can be really scary if we don't know how to maneuver through it. So my scary world shows an alien coming down and saying, what are you doing with the rest of your life? And it's not as scary as you might think. So let me walk you through the process and show you that you really have a lot of various options. Now, what it does is this. It allows a student to take what that student is currently passionate about. For example, there was a young lady who was a cheerleader. And, oh, my God, that's all she wanted. She wants to grow up to be a professional cheerleader. That's fine. But... Let's plug that into the software, and the software is connected to ONET. And ONET takes that one word, cheerleader, and goes out into the universe and brings in all of the possible career choice options that are aligned with cheerleading. And you know what the first career choice was? Ship's captain. Are you kidding? Ship's (laughs) captain. And she looked at us and said, you're kidding. She said the same thing. You're kidding me. Well, guess what? 
she is graduating from high school. She is now going to be attending Cal State University Maritime as a cadet because she wants to pursue engineering and she wants to be a ship captain. And what better school to provide that for her than Cal State University Maritime? What is it like the leadership qualities of a cheerleader that somehow match it with is. those of a ship captain? Is that what we're yes. talking about? Yes, exactly. Wow. Exactly. And, and, one, and one of her counterparts, a young man, of course, put in debate. And he indicated debating. He loves to debate. Well, the obvious choice that popped up for him was attorney. And so it's that type of process, that type of software, that type of thinking that we had to come together and formulate in order to open up the lens of these students to what supply chain really is all about. It has that's, a lot of options. That's fascinating. Now, once you get their interest, you talked earlier about getting uh, moving away from textbooks a little bit. What are some innovative te- uh, teaching techniques you see out there right now? Besides the software that we created, My Scary World, what we've also discovered is that uh, a lot of textbooks are being taken away. Uh, their, their students are beginning to interact remotely, and they are not using textbooks. So we're seeing a lot of online virtual training that's taking place. So what I've done in my position that I hold in working with my other colleagues is try to create a virtual internship or a virtual online training with other countries. Let's, again, we have to think global. We're not a local community any longer. We're a global society. And we want our students to understand that from as young as a first grader through high school, they need to look at the world through a whole different lens. So you're a big believer in, on, in uh, online or so-called virtual education. I am. I really you, you think it's as effective or at least somewhat effective compared with like being in a classroom with the actual teacher? It, you know, that's, that I'm on the fence with it because I'm old school. I really like to sit in the classroom myself. I really like to hold a book. I still love to read my morning newspaper. However, young people today, babies that are being born are now picking up cell phones and they know how to maneuver a cell phone and get to a program and play a game before they're five years old. Yeah, so, that's, my, that's my scary world, PJ. That's when really I see, true. When I see those kids manipulating electronics in that natural way. But I guess that's a good thing for them as they, you know, prepare to face the world, right? That's very true. And we're finding that more and more to be the, the, the path that we're going to have to align with. The supply chain sector, the global trade and logistics sector that I am responsible for, I realize that I overlap with all of the other sectors, particularly entrepreneurship and IT. So I have partnered with those two sectors in ensuring all of the educators and all of the students that they have so many options that they can, that they can take, so many roads, so many pathways they can take, more so than we ever thought possible when, we were, when, we were, when I was growing up. Yeah. Again, on the topic of teaching techniques at higher levels, even existing supply chain professionals these days are uh, becoming involved in in games, in gamification. That's one of the big buzzwords these days. And I'm wondering if some of these uh, supply chain type games can be brought down to the uh, elementary, middle school, high school levels and teach kids really what it is to manage a supply chain. Are those in in practice now? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And you know, that actually, that actually, and I'm using the word stemmed from the STEM program or the STEM process. Again, when I was in school, it was 
reading, writing, arithmetic, basic reading, basic writing, basic arithmetic. The STEM STEAM programs have taken that and elevated it and truly aligned it with industries, the mm-hmm. science portion, the technology portion, the engineering portion, the math is, is so different than it was. It's not basic math anymore. They're really teaching students as young as kindergarten and first grade, not one plus one equals two, but why does it equal two? And how do you really arrive at, a, at, at getting to that answer of two? It's more advanced now than it ever has been, which is why we see students more technologically inclined to go down that pathway and look at supply chain through a whole different lens than we ever looked at before. Can you talk about your own journey? How did you get to this point? Where, where, when, did it, when was that first glimmer of interest in you that led you into this world? Well, we all know that you don't just wake up one morning and say, I think I'm going to grow up and, 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 and become a supply chain expert or I'm going to go work in the supply chain. And the industry is really finally acknowledging the fact that until we can say, beam me up, Scotty, sourcing, <laughs> truck drivers, logisticians, procurement are all part of the fabric of the global community. I really realized this when I had a career in retail as a buyer and transitioned to working for a small startup company whose founder had a really crazy idea that he could deliver goods via airplanes across the U.S. by 10.30 a.m. the next day. The company that really changed it all for me, Bob, and gave me a passion for this industry was FedEx. So you you worked for FedEx then? I worked for FedEx when it was a four-year-old company. And Fred Smith had a vision that he instilled in in every employee that he brought on board at the time. He thought it really important that when you came on board with FedEx, you don't automatically move into a leadership role. You need to understand from the basic ground level exactly what his vision was, what his vision is, and learn from that perspective. So I came in on the very ground level, from customer service to working in a warehouse to driving a forklift to moving in from operations to moving up to sales. I learned the industry, and I was so passionate about it. You were hooked. I was hooked. Wow. And I'm really trying to share that with my students. I'm really trying to share that with them. And I keep telling them, you guys can laugh at me if you want to, but I'm going to bring sexy back. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we always talk about the younger generation not being willing to pay their dues, you know, move up in the organization, do all that stuff that you did in order to get where you are today. Do you feel that or do you feel that they're enthusiastic and willing to apply themselves in that same manner? I think they're willing to apply themselves, but in a different mode. Um, again, technology has really changed how we go about recruiting, how we go about bringing new employees on board. I took some students on a field trip to Amazon, and even I was amazed at the robotics and the amount of robotics that's being used in warehousing now that wasn't even there five years ago. It was done very manually. So so students are picking up on the fact that, hey, you know what? This could be a lot of fun. I could build a robot that could do ABC. Yeah. In in your early days in this business, though, did you feel any challenges or obstacles as a woman trying to make it in this business in a a highly male-dominated environment? I absolutely did. I absolutely did. And again, I 
I, I attribute the the mindset change to Fred Smith. He was an advocate of having the people that could envision and embrace his vision, be it male, female, he didn't care. I, and I had another double strike. I'm an African-American female. Having said that, I was going into an arena where many African-Americans weren't even, weren't even aware existed. Now, yes, there was UPS, but even growing up, UPS to me was just a truck that delivered packages to my family's house on Christmas. I didn't have a clue as to what transportation and logistics was about until FedEx came aboard and trained me and made me understand that, the, that, that this is a viable career that truly is not going to go away for a while. I'm guessing that the opportunities for mentorship, especially in women who are already established in this business like yourself, are, are more available now uh, for women who want to come up in this business today. That's very Correct. true. And yes, you're absolutely right. I am very pleased and very happy when I have young female students come up to me and ask me if I could sit with them, if I could talk to them, if I could work with them in developing their career path choices in this industry. I didn't have anyone to do that for me at the time, but as I grew within the ranks of the company, then I was able to be introduced to pioneers females who had already reached the glass ceiling, if you will, and they had shattered it, and they took me with them. My last job before I started teaching, I was a vice president of sales for the Western region. That was unheard of when I started, first started working at FedEx. You just, didn't, you just didn't see that. I hate to say it, PJ, but we're out of time. I'd love to have you back on the show to talk more about this. We could talk endlessly on the subject of supply chain education. It's been such a pleasure uh, speaking with you and learning about not only your journey, but the journey of lots of people in supply chain today and, and how they can enter an exciting new business. So thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you very much, Bob. It's been my pleasure, and I truly hope all of the listeners that will listen to this podcast will understand that they need to get into the game and help us continue this pathway. That was my conversation with P.J. Shelton of the Centers for International Trade Development, talking about the changing world of supply chain education and talent development. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where our next episode will be available on Wednesday, December 30th. Future episodes are posted for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Happy holidays and see you next time.